of God. Um, before we dive right in, let us, let us pray. Father, we want to thank you for the opportunity, Lord, that uh, we have right here. God, we get, to, we get to hear your voice speak to us right now, God, and I just, and I just thank you for the word of God. I thank you, God, that, that your word is true. I thank you, God, that, that your word serves to correct us, serves to shape us, serves to inspire us and encourage us, Lord God, and I just pray that that would happen this morning. I pray that this morning we would be reminded of the hope that is in you, Jesus. I pray that this morning that after today's service we would be inspired and convicted to pursue you like never before, God. God, I pray that something would change in our hearts this morning. I pray that for somebody in this room, something would change in such a way that it will never be the same again. And we know, Holy Spirit, that you can do that. And that's not a work that any of us at, here at Acts 2 Worship Center can do on our own. And it is only through you, Holy Spirit. So we submit to you this morning. We ask that you have your way in us and, and in this portion of the service. And we're grateful and we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Last week, Pastor encouraged us on the practicality of spiritual warfare. And how spiritual warfare is not this far and distant idea, this mystical thing that, uh, that we can't touch, that we can't be intentional about. But instead, spiritual warfare is very much as simple as loving your neighbor as the scriptures, as the scriptures declare. And he gave us this verse, Romans 12, in Romans 12, where where it says, do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. And it's such a poetic statement. Do not be overcome with evil, but instead overcome evil with good. So as we are up against, um, not flesh and blood, but again, spiritual, I mean, spirits and principalities, these kinds of dark things, are we, as we are up against these, the, these things, the way that we go about it, again, is not some faraway distant idea, but it's just as simple as doing good. And with good, evil will, will, will be conquered. But I want to challenge you this morning, in, uh, and today's sermon is very much uh, uh, like something to chew on very much something uh, that we have to digest and think about and process, and I pray that you go home and you, and you wrestle with the scriptures as well. But what do we do as a church and as believers? What happens when God chooses to use an evil person? How do we respond to this? How do we respond when God chooses to use an evil person. I want to read you something, which is the next verse right after do not overcome, do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. And, and then it goes right into Romans 13, verses 1 through 5. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. 
For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. The one in authority is God's servant for your good. When Paul was writing this, the person in power was Nero. And he was undoubtedly an evil ruler. And the Christians at the time were suffering severe persecution. Paul is writing to these same Christians who are suffering this kind of pers- this evil persecution from Nero, from the one who was placed in authority. And he's saying this, look at this, verse 4. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. Wow. You know who else he called the servant? Nebuchadnezzar. You know who else he called anointed? King Cyrus. This is a lot to chew on (laughs) as far as theology goes. How can a good God allow an evil person come to power? Right? Um, as we look in the scriptures for the answer as to how we respond, we have to have this foundational idea. God is God and we are not. God is good and everything he does is good. Everything he chooses to do is good. And let me tell you why this is important for right now. Let me tell you why this is important. Because we're coming up, we are in election season right now. And your TV and your social media and everything is blowing up with all kinds of stuff, all kinds of fear, all kinds of stress, all kinds of confusion. And there's talk right now, there's talk right now of if Biden wins, America's done. If Trump wins, America's done. Right? But the year before it was, if Trump wins again, the year is done. Like, America's done. If Hillary wins, oh man, America's done. And then the year before, if Obama wins again, America's done. The year before, if, if Obama gets into office, America's done. Every election cycle, there is this fear, this this, uh, this, this idea of it's all over. And I want to show you guys today that there is no president, there is no policy, there is no law that will determine the steps of God's people. Amen. There is no law, there is no policy, there is no president, there is no ruler, there is no authority besides Jesus Christ himself that will guarantee the blessing of God's people. And that's what it comes down to. Because again, there is no president that's going to save America. There is no law in place that will save America. There is no policy that will save America. None of these things will make America righteous. The only thing that will make America righteous is if the people, the church in America, would bow down before God 
and repent of their sins and see God as God and Jesus as Lord over all, having all authority. Again, right here, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. It does not say if my people would pass the right policies and laws, if my people would vote in the right person, no, it says, if my people would humble themselves and pray and seek my face. These, these, I guess, uh, actions right there, this list right there is inward focus, not outward focus. And what the enemy likes to do is he likes to put us in a position where it's everybody else's fault that things are going wrong. Not recognizing, hey, do I have any evil in my heart? Is there anything that I need to repent before the Lord? So we're dealing, and, and I really want to put this in front of your face. What if the person that you believe is the right direction for the United States of America does not get into power? What are you going to do? How are you going to respond? Right? So let's look at Psalm 115. Verse 1 says, Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Because of your love and faithfulness. Why do the nations say, where is their God? So here we have a chosen people putting the glory unto God. And all according to his love and faithfulness. These people were going through it. They were going through it. They were suffering. So much so that the nations around them were like, your God is God, then what's happening here? How is it that you could be suffering so much and you say that your God is good and you say that your God is loving and you say that your God is faithful and look how they respond. Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. This is what it means to have a sovereign God a God who is sovereign, a God who is in control of all things. So, for an unbeliever, that statement is incredibly selfish. That statement is cynical because they don't know God. They see God as this, as this tyrant in the sky playing chess. As this tyrant in the sky playing games with people's lives. Oh, yeah, I'll just put this one in power. Oh, I'll take this one down. Oh, yeah, this one, well, this, this will happen, whatever. But for us as believers, our God is in heaven who has all authority. What God? Which God? The good God, the only God, the most powerful God, the all-knowing God, the loving God, the forgiving God, the merciful God. That God is in heaven above all things, and he does what pleases him. And guess what? What pleases him is good for us. There will never ever be something that pleases God that will be against his children and his people that are before him and worship him. There will never ever be, these things are not in contrast. There is not one without the other. There will always be both. There will always be both. And as much as it hurt, as much as it hurt God to send his one and only son to die and suffer the wrath that we deserved, it pleased him because it was good for us. 
This is God good? Yes. Why? Because he, he Jesus, suffered a, a death that me and you were supposed to suffer. And I cannot stress this enough. Me and you deserve hell. We deserve it. That is our portion. But instead, the word says, Lord, the Lord is our portion. And that's the promise that we hold on to. So understanding that, again, I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to bring it back here. Understanding that God is in heaven and he does what pleases him and what pleases him is good. He puts anyone into power. And we have to think about this, guys. Who, who, who else was in power in our time that was incredibly evil? Hitler? Saddam Hussein? How, this is how God's ways are so much higher than our ways. We don't get to define what is good. God defines what is good. And he shows us what is good according to his word. So if God decides something that you don't agree with, you can trust that it's for our good. You can trust it. Now, now let's continue in Psalm 115. But their idols, these other nations, are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, noses but cannot smell. They have hands but cannot feel, feet but cannot walk, nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. These idols, traditionally back in the day, were like statues, right? And today we don't have those kinds of idols, at, at least here. Around the world you, you will find those kinds of idols. But today we don't have those kinds of idols. Instead, the kinds of idols that we have are things like comfort, things like money, things like security, things like safety. Things like the United States of America. Things like the political process. Trusting in these things to care for us. Trusting in that to care for us more than God caring for us and having his sovereign hand over us. And this is a mistake because these things are dead things. These things do not create life. These things, th these things do not forgive. These things do not show mercy. These things are not loving these things are dead things. And if we build these idols in our hearts, if we have these idols in our hearts, we will be just like these things. The political system does not have an ear for God. The political system does not have a mouth for God. These are dead things. And if we build these things, just like it says in Psalm 115, verse 8, we will be like these things who cannot hear God and cannot speak for God and cannot move with God if we have these idols in our hearts. So while God is handling the big business stuff, while God is deciding what to bring up and what to tear down, things that are out of our control, our job is to deal with the idols that are in our heart. Our job is to tear down the idols in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus to tear down the idols that live in our heart. 
instead of focusing on things that we can't control. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Go and vote. Vote and vote according to the word of God. Vote. But we cast our vote and the Lord determines our steps. That's the 2020 version of that scripture. We cast our vote and the Lord determines our steps. He is the ultimate one who has already decided. It's no surprise to him. He already knows who's going to be in power. But as we do that, we are doing heart stuff. We are dealing with the idols that are in our own hearts, these dead idols. And this, this actually reminds me of a story of um, uh, uh, which, which I'm certain you all know this story of a nation that also wanted to put their trust in an individual over a country, over God. And that was in Samuel, when God put Saul into power. The people of God were looking at the other nations and they were like, man, all these, man they got kings, okay. We, we, we want a king, Samuel. Tell God we want a king. So Samuel goes to God and God says, hey, your, your people want a king. And, I don't get it. It, it. it actually breaks my heart that they, that, um, they want a king. And then God says that they have forgotten that I am their king. I am their ruler. I am the one that is over them. But okay, I'll give them a king, but also tell them that with this king comes this, 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 and this. And let me tell you, that list was not good. I can't remember it right now. That's why I said this, 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 and this. But I do know that that list was not good. That list was not good. But this is the thing. If we look beyond God, beyond the cross, as the one who is sovereign over our nation and sovereign over our lives as believers, realizing a process that would uh, save us, that would save this nation, again, nothing like that is going to save this nation. Repentance is what will save this nation. People like me and you in our prayer closets is what's going to save this nation. People like me and you exercising the love and faithfulness of God to other people is what's going to save this nation. People like me and you praying for those who are in authority is what's going to save this nation. We, that, that is our job. Again, not this faraway idea. But this is stuff that we can do today. These are the kinds of things that we can do today. Um, there's a portion here that, that, that I want to say that, that uh, these, these, having these idols reminds me of how the Bible speaks about the rich and how the rich man went to Jesus and said, hey, I'm following your rules, man. What else I got to do? And Jesus is like, we'll sell everything that you have. And he's like, oh, man. And he walked away sad. Or when Jesus says that it's, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to get into heaven. Right? So how can you make a statement like that? And it's because of the idols in the rich person's life. That they are treasuring those things over Jesus, over relationship with God. But a very important question that we have to ask ourselves when we're dealing with that is, well, who is rich? And for me and you, the rich is Palm Beach Island. Those people out there in Palm Beach. 
That's rich. But for anybody in a third world country, you're rich. I'm rich. To, 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 I remember uh, going, going, uh, visiting in the Philippines when I was younger. I, I learned how to flush the toilet, and that was to pour water into the toilet bowl. How did I take a bath? I took a bucket and a bigger bucket and put the water on me, and then I went like this real fast because it was so cold. My cousins may look up, oh, you got a microwave? Somebody in, somebody, somebody in Haiti, oh, you have, uh, you have central AC? You have glass on your windows? And that's not to put down anybody. These are just the realities that people live in. And, but to contrast that, these are the comforts that we live in. And it's very easy to make these things idols in our lives. That these rich people verses can very much apply to me and you. Because it's about the condition of the heart, not how much stuff we have. Because if it's about how much stuff we have, then where is the limit? What is it? So we have to deal with these things and believing these things. That as God makes these higher-up decisions, we can say things like this in verse 9 of Psalm 115. All you Israelites, trust in the Lord. He is their help. House of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. You who fear him, trust in the Lord, for he is their help and shield. The Lord remembers us and will bless us. He will bless his people Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, small and great alike. These are the kinds of promises that me and you stand on as things go crazy around here, as things seemingly just, just fall apart. And let me tell you something. The United States will not save me. The United States will not save you. The condition of the United States will not save you, should not determine the condition of your heart before God. Do you think that God has forgotten about his sons and daughters in Venezuela? Do you think that God has forgotten his sons and daughters in Haiti with another broken government? Do you think that God has forgotten his sons and daughters in North Korea? These places with broken governments and countries that are falling apart, God's people are still strong there, and God is still with them. So I want to say to you that, God forbid, this country falls apart, God is still with you. That, that, that if everything just, just goes in the opposite direction of what this word says, and this nation becomes a nation that hates God, God is still with those who love God. God is going to walk with you. God is with you. God will never forsake you. So this is the kind of stuff that we have to wrestle with as the news and the enemy is bombarding us with fear. As we get into arguments with our loved ones about the government, we have to remember that should the worst possible thing that you can think of happens, God is still in, God is still in control. Because that is who we serve. And God is watching your life. 
and God is sovereign, and God has your hand over you. I want to fill your heart with hope today, knowing that no matter what happens outside, everything inside is good because God is with me, and everything inside is good because God is with you. This is the truth that we stand on. These are the promises that we can speak over ourselves. Verse 14, may the Lord cause you to flourish, both you and your children and their children and their children and their children and their children. May you be blessed by the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The highest heavens belong to the Lord. But the earth he has given to mankind. It is not the dead who praise the Lord, those who go down to the place of silence. It is we, us, who extol the Lord both now and forevermore. Praise the Lord. Look at these promises. Look at these promises, church. This is for you. This is for you. This is God speaking, speaking to you. These promises don't change because of circumstance. Even in the worst circumstances, these promises are there. And, and I know I've mentioned this here before, but I have to mention it again. When Pastor and I went to Colombia to minister to the persecuted church, the church that was persecuted by, by, the, by the guerrilla group over there, the, the pastors losing their families, murdered, their families murdered, their children murdered, their husbands or wives murdered. These people in ministry that are what they call... Um, I think the red zone or the red district or the red something. Worshiping with them was a life-changing experience because I heard firsthand their stories during the day and then at night we would have a service and, there are, and they, are, they are singing about how good God is. They are singing about how faithful God is. They are, they are singing about the love of God even having lost their families and, and, and suffering the things that they suffer. And that was a life-changing experience for me because I saw firsthand that it's not circumstances that determine the blessings of God. It's not. You can lose everything and God is still good and God is still on you. And God is still on your side. And that's the hope that we hold on to. So let's continue in Romans 13. Verse 6, this is also why you pay your taxes, speaking about the authorities. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone that you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Let no debt remain outstanding except for the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. Whatever other commandment there may be, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this understanding the present time. I want to remind you again, I want to remind you again of when Paul was writing this, what his present time was. And his present time was under the, the ruler uh, Nero, who suffered, who, who was causing great persecutions to the, to the Christians. Not just shutting down churches, not just telling churches not to sing, but killing Christians, killing them 
killing them off. And he says, in this present time, love. If we go back to Psalm 115, the very first verse, it says, verse 1, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. God showing his glory through his love and faithfulness. How in the world now does God express his love and faithfulness? Through me and you. And in this divided time, in this time of, of, of just chaos and confusion, and, 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 and he said, and she said this, and they said this, and bickering and all of these things, during these times, now more than ever, in this present time, now more than ever, do we need the church to lead the way in kindness, to lead the way in forgiveness, to lead the way in showing mercy, to lead the way in showing grace, to lead the way in showing love, to lead the way in showing um, faithfulness. Because the only way that your unbelieving neighbor is going to see the hand of God move in their life is when you act in obedience to these things that we're talking about right here. That is the only way that we will affect our community. That is the only way that we will get other people to see God is if me and you act and walk in love and faithfulness because that love and faithfulness that we give to other people is not to us, just like what verse 1 is saying, not to us, Lord, but to you. I am loving and I am faithful and I am merciful and I am gracious and I am forgiving, not for my glory, but for your glory, so that you get the glory, God. How do we act? How do we act? Should God put somebody into power that we don't agree with, more love, more grace, and more forgiveness to those that we disagree with and those that we are in battle with and to each other, first and foremost, in the church. And that's what we see here. God wants us to, these, these just because things are going bad or things are tough, just because of that, that does not give us an excuse to forfeit our Christian character. It does not give us an excuse to just dip into the sinful side real quick, into our flesh real quick, and act out and then come right back. Like, you, just what you were saying just pushed me over there. We, we, don't have, we don't have that excuse. But if we come back to verse 11 and do this understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or debauchery, not in, um, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Paul is speaking to a church that is under evil leadership. Paul is speaking to a church that is suffering uh, uh, evil persecution. Paul is speaking to a people that are hurting. And how does he ease their hurt? 
he encourages them to be obedient, to love, and to walk out these things. So this morning, or this afternoon, I should say, as we are considering this election, as we are considering the political climate that we're in, and the chaos that is just going on in this world, and just how it's so evident that Jesus is coming soon. Let these things be the priority of our hearts as we push forward as Christians. We are the ones who are to lead the way. Culture shouldn't sway us. We should sway culture. We are the ones, us. We are the leaders here. You, everyday Christians, everyday Christians, loving the way that Jesus loved. And this, is how, and this is how the hand of God will be extended to those around us. So be encouraged, church. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope that even if the worst possible thing should happen, God is with you. God is sovereign. But the good thing about his sovereignty is that he's good. And that will never change. So whatever decision he makes, although we can't see it, there's good, and it's for our good. We read it in scripture today. So let's just stand up together. Let us pray. God, we, we, we thank you. We thank you for your word that speaks to us this morning. We thank you, God, that you are a God who loves, that you are a God, again, who is with us a God who is for us. And Father, many times you said, fear not, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. And God, as we look into the coming months, as we look into the future of this nation, we refuse to allow our hearts to be filled with fear. We refuse to be overcome by this confusion we refuse to be overcome by the things that the unbelievers are overcome with. But instead, we choose to submit our hearts to you, Jesus, and to focus all of our efforts unto you, God. Because you are worthy, Lord. You are good. You are so good to us, God. And we choose to trust you, Jesus. We choose to lean into your understanding, God, not in ours. We choose to walk in love and in forgiveness, in grace and in mercy. We choose not to gratify our flesh. We choose to pray for those that are in power. And we choose to submit ourselves to you, Jesus. That is our heart this morning, God. Our heart is for you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, come have your way in our hearts right now. God, and whatever idols there are in our hearts, Lord, in the name of Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit, tear them down right here, right now, God. Right here, right now, tear down the idols that are in our heart. Expose them and tear them down, Father God. We no longer, we no longer want to serve these dead things. We no longer want to serve these dead things because we no longer want to be like these dead things, God. But, Father, you have made us alive. You've breathed life into us, and we want to live in that. We want to walk in the authority that that is, God. 
So in the name of Jesus, these idols come down down father and i declare freedom in this room right now freedom to whoever's watching online father god whoever's heart is bowed down before you every promise that we read today father god i pray over every person that is connected and every person that is in this room right now i pray your promises over them father god these are not promises that we made up but these are promises straight from your mouth lord god for your people lord and we hold on to them god this is the foundation upon which we stand on. And we thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your faithfulness to us, God. And help us pursue you with everything that we have, Lord God, and we thank you.